Welcome to another episode of the Heart of Flesh podcast. This is Jackson Hankey. I'm joined by my friend James Kayser. Hello. And today we are going to be talking about uh, the spiritual discipline of Christian fellowship. Now I'm going to start off with a quote from one of the books we've been ref- referencing, Habits of Grace by David Mathis. I think this captures uh, some of our attitude toward fellowship very well, but he says, Quote, fellowship may be the, the often forgotten middle child of the spiritual disciplines, but she may save your life in the dark night of your soul. That's so true. Uh, one, of the, one of the reasons w- we're definitely passionate about this, I think that just in America and the American church in the Midwest, uh, we live in a culture that is oftentimes individualistic and oftentimes consumeristic as well. And I think that it, in many ways that has kind of infected the church and, and oftentimes just our own minds. Um, we, we can just be like in our culture, sometimes we are given license uh, to self-centeredness. Mm-hmm. Like, like we are we are really allowed to believe that, you know, things things should be about us. And I think one of the ways that 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 hurts us in the church the most is uh, just uh, it detracts from our fellowship with the believers. It detracts from our ability to be members of the church in in a biblical way mm-hmm. if that makes sense you know we you know this is this is one of those spiritual disciplines and we've talked about this before but it is an essential means of grace if that makes sense um, this is something that God has given to us uh, this is a, one of the ways that he's gracious to us and it, it is a, it is an essential part of the Christian life James you want to add anything to that at all no, I think you just hit it on the head. Uh, as we've been talking about these spiritual disciplines um, and looking back through through prayer, um, Bible intake, um, what else have we done? Is that the two? That's the two. Damn, yep. we haven't gotten very far. Yeah. There's so many more. But at the heart of this, God has given us these tools, these means of grace to grow in godliness and Christ-likeness. And if we neglect one or many of them, we are going to be stagnant in our faith. Um, and particularly with with the uh, spiritual discipline of fellowship, as we talk today, if you are in isolate isolation, it's going to lead to spiritual death. You are not going to grow in Christ. You're going to be stagnant in your faith. Uh, the attacks of the enemy are going to be coming after you. Um, you might be deceived uh, by the allure of sin. Um, Frankly, you're being disobedient to New Testament commandments to to yeah. fellowship um, and neglecting the body of Christ, which you are among a member. Yeah. And we even see this kind of we don't have this plan, but even look at the culture and what isolation has led to. Even in America with social media, um, at COVID-19, the the suicide rates, the the, the rates of anxiety um and all these things because of isolation. God has created us to be in fellowship. And as believers, he has created us to be in Christian fellowship. Yeah, there is there is no such thing as, you know, I've heard it called like lone wolf Christianity. Yeah. Um, and sometimes I think in our culture, like we can get this idea that that our faith uh, is something that's supposed to be private to us. Like it's it's just between us and God. Yeah. That That is an idea that is completely foreign to the Bible. Yep. There is no such thing as a as a private faith. Even the, you know, you think about, you know, maybe we'll probably get into this as a spiritual discipline, but the sacraments of the church are essentially to mark out publicly, like who, who belongs. So, so baptism being like a public 
uh, declaration of belonging to the church. Same thing with the Lord's Supper. So our, our life is, our, our faith in Christ is meant to be a, a, a public faith that we live before others. Um, and like it, it is an essential part of our, of our walk with Christ. It is being amongst other believers. So I guess as we, as we get into this, um, we, we kind of have like a, a statement or a big idea that we want to just, we want to just lay out there and then we're going to try to prove it from the scriptures. And then we're going to try to give some application as to what this actually looks like in our lives. Okay. So here's the big idea. The big idea is that relationships and community are essential to God's plans of creation and redemption and essential to the life of every Christian. I'm going to say that one more time. Relationships and community are essential to God's plans of creation and redemption and essential to the life of every Christian. Now, um, I think we're, so we're ready to jump in and talk about this. One thing that we're going to do is we are going to talk about, this is a fun word to use, but we're going to talk about protology. Now, every good theology Teach me, brother. needs <laughs> good protology. And that, that's a big word. It's a fun word. But protology essentially just means the study of, of first things. Eschatology is the study of last things. Uh, from the Greek word eschatos, meaning last. Protology is the study of first things. From, from the Greek word protos, essentially meaning first, right? Um, so when I say we're going to study protology, what I mean is that we're, we're studying our, our origins as people. We're going to go back to the beginning. We're going to go back to the, the first book of the Bible. We're going to Genesis. Um, another quote I love to, uh, I think this was Kevin DeYoung. He said, all good theology starts in Genesis. So we're going to go there. Um, we're going to go and just look at, at Genesis 1 through 3. Um, and we're going to see how God has, has ordered creation. And then after man fell into sin, how God has ordered redemption as well. And, and remember, part of our big idea is that relationships and community, they're essential aspects of God's plan for the creation of his world. And then following sin in the fall, it's essential to God's plan for the redemption of the world as well. So we're going to start in Genesis 1. Um, actually, you know, I, e- even before that, very foundational to this, uh, we must ask ourselves, like, who is God? What is he like? Does that have any bearing on this conversation? And as we read throughout the Bible, we see that God is triune. Or, or to say that another way, God is, is Trinitarian in his, in his being, in his nature. That means that, that God has existed for, for forever, mm-hmm. um, eternally, as in, in, the, in the three persons which make up the one God, Father, Son, and Holy Spirit. Um. And in that, like we see, you know, just Trinitarian theology, right? God, uh, the Father, is not God the Son. God the Son is not God the Father. Uh, Neither of them are are God the Spirit. They they are three distinct persons of the one God. God is one in being. He's three in person. But, yeah, clear (laughs) as mud. But from all eternity, God the Father has perfect love and harmony with God the Son. Yep. God the Son has perfect love and harmony with God the Father. God the Holy Spirit has perfect love and harmony with both, uh, with, with the other two members of the Trinity. So God in his very nature, in his very being, is, is relational, uh, displaying perfect love 
and, and perfect harmony. Now, as we read Genesis, starting in Genesis 1, uh, we see that God creates the world. Um, you know, the, the six days, he, after he makes everything, he says, it is good, it is good, it is good. Uh, it gets to verse 26. Uh, in Genesis chapter 1, it says, Then God said, Let us make man in our image after our likeness. So there are some ways in which man is made in the image of God after the like- likeness of God, reflecting things that are true about God. James, you said one day uh, that, that our lives were, were reflectors. We're meant to reflect the glory of God. And part of that, being made in God's image, being made in his likeness, is that we are, ref- we are created to reflect uh, the relational capacity of God. Mm-hmm. We, we are created originally, especially before sin, to live in, in, in relationship with God and with other humans in, in perfect love and harmony, right? So yeah, just summing it up for you. God is a relational being, triune in nature. Therefore, since we are made in the image of God, we are relational creatures and we need relationships to thrive and survive, especially in the Christian life. Yep. So there it is. So, so verse 26, God said, let us make man in our image after our likeness. Let them have dominion over the fish of the sea and over the birds of the heavens and over the livestock and over all the earth and over every creeping thing that creeps on the earth. Verse 27, so God created man in his own image. In the image of God, he created him. Male and female, he created them. So right here in God's creation, uh, to display the full range of the image of God, God creates mankind, male and female. Um, And verse 28, it says, and God blessed them. God said to them, be fruitful and multiply and fill the earth and subdue it and have dominion over the fish of the sea and over the birds of the heavens and over every living creature that moves on the earth. So God makes man, he makes woman, he brings them together, he gives them a mandate, a task in the world to rule and to have dominion over the earth. Now in chapter 2, it's almost like a a recounting of chapter 1, kind of like a zooming in on the creation of man. And in chapter 2, again, we continue to see that everything God has made to this point has been good. Um, and then we get to verse 18, and for the first time, out of all of God's creation, for the first time, we hear the words that something is not good. So at this point, uh, God has made man, and he has not made yet the woman. But in verse 18, it says, Then the Lord God said, It is not good that the man should be alone. I will make him a helper fit for him. And then God goes on to make the woman. He puts Adam to sleep. Uh, He takes a rib out from his side and he fashions the woman. He brings the woman to Adam. And Adam cries out in this exultant, joyful, uh, poetic song. He says in verse 23, This at last is bone of my bones and flesh of my flesh. She shall be called woman because she was taken out of man. And then you have the, the verse about marriage. Therefore, a man shall leave his father and his mother and hold fast to his wife, and they shall become one flesh. So in, in very, like, rooted into this created order, you see that it was not good. God said it was not good for the man to be alone. So he gave him a, a woman to be, to be a, uh, what, what the Bible says, a, a helper fit for him. And we don't have time to get into the terminology of exactly what that means. But God has made man a, a, and woman um, separate, di- different from each other, but together creating and displaying the image of God. Together made to carry out this task that God has given, which is to be fruitful, to multiply, to fill the earth, 
to bear the image of God and to reflect his glory. Now, at the ver- so at the very beginning of this, at the heart of creation, at the heart of who man is, is that he is relational in being. In community. In community, yeah. right? Um, so we see this, we see this, the, the only thing before the fall, before, before we fall into sin, is that it was not good for man to be alone. Uh, he needs relationship, he needs community, right? And that, that is, that is, that is, that, that is woven into God's creation of the world and his, and his desire uh, to bring about his glory in all the earth, right? Be fruitful, multiply, fill the earth. Now, we know what happens in Genesis chapter 3. Um, Adam and Eve are, are tempted into sin and they fall into sin. Um, and God, God comes to them and he comes in judgment to curse the serpent. Uh, he curses the ground because of the man. He curses childbearing because of the woman. But he bless, he, he, he still blesses them and he gives a promise of redemption. Um, he gives a promise of, of bringing about the salvation of the world, of, of crushing what was done by the serpent. Um, but even now... We see that because of this sin, there is fracturing in the relationship. There, there is fracturing between Adam and Eve. Uh, God comes to, to Eve. He asks her what happened, and he comes to Adam, and he says, the man, the man said in response to God, um, God asked him here. I'm just going to read. I think this is verse 11. He said, or actually, I'm going to go back a little bit. But the Lord God called to the man and said, where are you? And he said, I heard the sound of you in the garden, and I was afraid. This is after they had sinned because I was naked and I hid myself. He said, who told you that you were naked? Have you eaten of the tree of which I commanded you not to eat? And the man said, the woman who you gave to be with me, she gave me the fruit of the tree and I ate. So Adam, immediately after the fall, this shows the, the, the corruption of, of human relationships, but he immediately blames the woman and he blames God uh, for giving the woman to her. Right, so we see that, that there's there's just immediately a fracturing in this relationship. As we go to Genesis chapter four, um, we see that you know you have the story of Cain and Abel, where, where Cain kills his brother Abel. Right, so so what God originally created, man and woman bearing His image, was meant to reflect the perfect love and harmony that exists in the Trinity. Mm-hmm. Now, after sin and the temptation of Satan, it is filled with dysfunction and selfishness uh, and corruption. Dude, um, I go ahead. Thought. It's kind of a kind of a tangent, but like I'm thinking of the listener right now. Says exactly. In fellowship, there is sin, there is hurt, uh, there is brokenness. Therefore, I'm going to isolate myself to protect myself from such things. Like, what what would you say to that to that person? Yeah, that's a great that, question. That's been hurt. Yep. That's been hurt by Christian fel- fellowship. Who's been hurt by the church um, or other Christians, and now wants to isolate himself yep that's a that's a wonderful question and i think we all experience that to some degree like our our relationships being marred by sin there's always there's always going to be some level of hurt and pain and difficulty um it's it's never going to look perfect but even even so after that sin we see that god has a plan for redemption Mm -hmm. and i think his plan for redemption ultimately uh as we see in the bible as it unfolds you know it's centered on the person of jesus and and as we're gonna as we're gonna lay out in the rest of this podcast it a redemptive community of people is central to the heart of that but as we see like the ultimate the ultimate plan of god which he will accomplish um which we see at the very end of the bible and and throughout the bible we see this promised but it's a restoration of perfect relationship 
like the the problem in all of our relationships is sin mm-hmm. and one of the and the, really the great promise of the bible is that sin will be removed from us uh, the penalty of sin has been removed at the cross the power of sin is removed by god's gift of the holy spirit to us his redeeming of us his making us into a new creation and then one day the promise is that the presence of sin will be completely removed and all of the redeemed people will be worshiping god in heaven for all eternity where there will be no sin. So p- part of re- God's redemptive plan, right, is that is that the penalty of sin would be would be paid for. Um just an example of that like when when we understand that, it affects our relationships as well. If God's been forgiving to us, we are to be forgiving and loving towards others, right? Uh secondly is that the power of sin in our lives begins to be broken when when we are made into a new creation when we are born again. Uh, when we are saved, when we when we are given the Holy Spirit, so part of this is look. We need to strive, even in the midst of difficulty. We need to strive for good and healthy and godly relationships, and we need to believe that God has given us everything we need in order to do that. Not perfectly, um, but to do that. Do that in a way that's in accordance with with what God has has given us. Yeah, like w- there is. You know, there there is. It, it's never going to be perfect in a in a sin marred world, um, but God has given us what we need to experience love and, and peace and harmony in many of our relationships and in the church as well. Yep, that's really good, man. I put you on the spot for that one, but it's this Christian community and specifically Christian community is a foretaste of exactly what Jackson was just talking about, uh, of sin being finally defeated. Um, and being in perfect unity and relationship. Now we know it's still tainted, but when you experience real fellowship with the body of Christ, it is a foretaste of the um, of heaven and the great multitude that is worshiping at the throne of God in perfect unity and harmony and love without the power of sin. Um, and also, one part of, of fellowship as a spiritual discipline is in isolation, I know we're getting into too many maybe uh, applications here. We'll jump back in. That's okay. But uh, in isolation, and you can hide your own sin. Yep. Um, like, I, I know for me, just in my own life, like, it is when I'm around other people that my sin gets exposed. Like, when I am isolated by myself, I see, I feel like I'm, I'm doing pretty good. But uh, as soon as I'm with other people, even my wife... Um, your Spe- sin. especially your wife. Yeah, especially your yeah. wife. We'll have to have her on one of these th- one one podcast. We should just have Gracie and Michaela just <laughs> yeah. reveal the truth about us. Yeah, <laughs> but especially yeah, in relationship, our sin gets exposed, and then it can be dealt with. And that's one of the beauties of fel- fellowship as a spiritual discipline, uh, as having uh, or being in community is we grow in godliness. And again, that is the purpose of spiritual disciplines to grow in godliness and our relationship with Jesus. Yeah. I think I heard it said once, I can't even remember where I heard this, but I think someone said holiness is a community project. Mm, and and it really good. is like we, we are so much better um, when we are, when we are surrounded in community and, and we're accountable to people and we're, and we're growing in, in holiness. We, Yeah. There's there's reasons that God has given us the church and and people in our lives in order to grow us. When we isolate, it gives just it gives opportunity for sin. Yeah. Now I was going to say this earlier too, but and we're we're getting a bit off track, but that's right. Um, it's a podcast. Yeah, I think that's okay. kind of how that's they good. work. That's good. You know, <clears throat> all the other spiritual disciplines that we've talked about, 
like they they are all meant to be done privately but also in community like like community should affect all of our spiritual disciplines like when we when we even think about bible reading like we need to read the Bi- the bible privately and study it we also need to read it in community we also need to sit under preaching and explanation of the bible when we spend time in prayer we need to pray privately but we also need to pray publicly as well james you look like you got something to say no i was just looking uh at the spiritual disciplines um, from this yep. book, and and maybe there might be, we probably won't go through all these, and maybe there's a little bit of disagreement on what exactly is the spiritual discipline, but to your point, Bible intake privately, corporately in fellowship, prayer privately and corporately in fellowship, mm-hmm. even worship. Uh, I think we've talked about it before, but your devotion time in the Word of God and prayer in the morning or whatever that happens, that is your personal worship service with the Lord. Um, so it happens privately and corporately. Uh, evangelism uh, can happen privately or corporately in fellowship, serving, stewardship, even fasting. Um, and there may be a few more, but yeah. just the importance that these things culminate or they yeah. all come together in Christian fellowship or they should. Yeah. And, and biblically, right, the assumption is always that these things are happening in the context of a community. Yep. Always. Now that's that's part of just to get back on track here. That's part of what Good we want to show. So way to circle it back in. Yep. So <laughs> that's a little bit so so protology is very important. If we're gonna understand a biblical worldview, Genesis one through three is extremely important. But as we continue the continue throughout the story of the Bible, we see that community, especially like a redemptive community, so after the fall, God has a a plan to redeem and save uh the world you know we see a people a people from all tribes tongues and nations on the earth now after the fall comes the unfolding of that plan which culminates in the person of jesus and is accomplished by him right but as we go through the bible we see after genesis 4 and i'm going to just breeze through this somewhat quickly um but you see that the world is is continuing in corruption um, as you get to Genesis chapter 6, verse 5, it says, The Lord saw that the wickedness of man was great in the earth, and that every intention of the thoughts of his heart was only evil continually. So, so mankind, because of sin, shortly after Genesis 3, uh, sin is, so, is just rampant. It's infecting the world. Um, and then you see that God, God is going to bring judgment on the world, but, but he brings salvation to Noah. Um, and part of that, I'm just going to read in verse 18, God says to Noah, but I will establish my covenant with you, and you shall come into the ark, you, your sons, your wife, and your sons' wives with you. So God doesn't just doesn't just bless Noah and, and save him from this coming judgment, but he also he also holds on to a, a community, um, which is Noah's family, his wife, his sons, and his sons' wives, and he saves them and preserves them through the fu- through the flood. And as they get out the other side, he gives them the si- he gives the same mandate to them: be fruitful, multiply, fill the earth. God's plan for that to happen, uh, even though sin has entered the world, will still be accomplished. So we see that um, we we just see throughout the Bible that it continually God is working in a redemptive community. Same thing when we get to chapter eleven, we see the call of of Abraham. Um, God God comes to Abraham. He says, "Now the Lord said to Abram." Uh, he says, go from your country and your kindred and your father's house to the land that I will show you and I will make you a great nation and I will bless you and make your name great so that you will be a blessing. 
I will bless those who bless you, and him who dishonors you I will curse. And in you, all the families of the earth shall be blessed. So as we move through Genesis, we're seeing this continuing unfolding of God's plan of redemption. And part of that is coming on, is, is coming through Abraham, through his offspring, through a nation that will come from him, and from one of those offspring who will be a blessing to all the earth, which is Jesus. We, we continue through Genesis. These promises are passed down to Abraham through his family, uh, to his sons. And then eventually uh, they, they become a great nation. You have the 12 tribes of Israel um, coming from the, the 12 sons of Jacob. And what you have is you can see what God is doing is he is forming a redemptive community in the earth. A, a nation, uh, you know, as we're going to look at um, in, in Exodus 19, but a, a people for his own possession. Um, a, a community who is going to going to advance God's redemptive plan in the world. Yeah, you can see. So we have the protology um, in the beginning, Genesis one and two. We see God created man to fill the earth, have dominion over it, and reflect His glory on on the earth. And now, as Jackson keeps saying, the word like redemptive history that is everything post fall. Mm-hmm. God is working back towards that original creation. Um, working back well really i'd say something better something better than the garden of eden yep but as we look uh into revelation there's a a people a a a community a redemptive community of of the saints who are redeemed who are filling the new creation new heavens new earth and having dominion over it and reflecting god's glory yep so all of so every everything from genesis 3 the fall is moving towards God is working out this plan of redemption, which culminates in exactly what James just said, a completely redeemed people from all tribes, tongues, and nations, worshiping and, and filling the new heavens and the new earth. And the right? bu- maybe I'm getting e- ahead everything of my in between yeah. is working towards that. As yeah, well. and so here and now, globally, God is working through the body of Christ, Christians all over um, the earth. And locally, in local church, God is working out that redemptive plan. And if you are not a part of a local church or a redemptive community um, locally where you're known and accountable, you are sitting on the sidelines of this great plan that God has. Mm-hmm. That's, that's a great way to put it. So, yeah, p- part, of this, part of this overview walking through the Bible is to show that God's redemptive plan, right, just what you said, James, always comes through community Mm -hmm. it always comes through a redemptive community and that man like we don't we don't realize that but when we go to a local church on sunday mornings that preaches the gospel and when we live uh, amongst other christians and live our lives with them we are partaking in god's redemptive plan for all the nations and and that's a beautiful thing we don't we don't think about that our our churches they they look so you know they probably look really ordinary (laughs) <laughs> and we probably don't realize the magnitude of what we're doing. Yeah. Uh, but it is a beautiful and wonderful thing when we actually assess that biblically. So it, just as we continue, um, God, God establishes this na- nation of Israel. You know, we have the Exodus. God calls them out. He redeems them. He gives them a land. I'm just going to read briefly from, from uh, Exodus 19. Uh, God speaking to Moses said, The Lord called him up, uh, up out of the mountain, saying, Thus you shall say to the house of Jacob, that's the people of Israel, uh, well, shoot. And then it says, and then tell the people of Israel, you yourselves have, n- have seen what I did to the Egyptians and how I bore you on eagles' wings and brought you to myself. Now, therefore, if you will indeed obey my voice and keep my covenant, 
You shall be my treasured possession among all peoples, for all the earth is mine, and you shall be to me a kingdom of priests and a holy nation. These are the words that you shall speak to the people of Israel. So even in that idea, here is a people, or a, re- a redeemed community, a nation, and their task is to, is to be the people of God and, and to be obedient to him and to walk in his ways. And when it says, when it says a kingdom of priests and a holy nation, um, part of that, they're, they're to reflect the holiness of God to the world. Um, you know, there's a few examples in, in Deuteronomy, I think. Part, part of the idea is that God gives them this law, calls them to be obedient to it, so that the nations around them would see that there has never been such a righteous nation as this. And they would know the God that they serve um, and desire him. And part of just the idea that the kingdom of priests, right, it's the idea that uh, th- this nation as a whole is to represent God to the nations around them. They're to mediate the glory of God to the world. And we see throughout the rest of the Old Testament uh, that they, they often fail. Uh, they, they really fall short of that task. Um, but as we see, all of this is just building up, um, especially the Old Testament, is just building up to the person of Jesus and what will come in him and then what, what is going to continue uh, in the Great Commission and in the church going to all nations and making disciples. James, do you have anything you want to add to that at all? No, that's good. I think we keep rolling Kay. through it. So then, so as we continue, you know, we see the failures of Israel uh, throughout the Old Testament. We see... Um, Finally, in the coming of Jesus, and even in Jesus' coming, he calls 12 disciples to himself. He creates uh, somewhat of a redemptive community. Um, just, you know, briefly, one of the teachings of Jesus uh, that I want to hit on just real real quick is John 13, 35. And I think this shows uh, some of what we've been talking about, but the, but the same idea. Um, John 13, 35, it says, by, well, I'll, I'll go back to 34. He says, a new commandment I give to you, that you love one another. Just as I have loved you, you also are to love one another. Speaking to his disciples, kind of by extension, all who would follow after them. But verse 35, he says, by this, all people will know that you are my disciples, if you have love for one another. So, just in that, we see this idea that the gospel, so after Je- after Jesus, you know, he's, he's resurrected, he, ascended, he ascends to heaven. He, he gives the disciples a commission to go to all nations, uh, you know, baptizing and teaching them um, to, to obey all that he's commanded. And the church grows and spreads. We see that in the book of Acts 2. But what he's saying here is that there's, there is going to be a redemptive community. Uh, there's going to be disciples of people who follow Jesus who are going to display to the world the reality that they are followers of Jesus by the love that they display towards one another. So our churches, us belonging to our church, is meant to be a display of the glory of God and, and the love of God to the world that is around us. Our, our churches should reflect a type of love uh, and graciousness towards one another that, that screams to the world around us, that we serve a loving God. Yeah. And so obviously the implication of that is if you are outside of that fellowship, if you are not practicing the spiritual discipline of fellowship, you are not partaking in that. Um, If you are not actively loving God's people that you belong to, you are not partaking in that. Yeah. And I think too, 
you kind of touched on it earlier, but the local congregation or, or uh, you've kind of been calling it a redemptive community, which I, I haven't heard. Is that, did you read that somewhere? I uh, just it, no. Sounds good. Yeah. Yep. Um, I've probably heard it somewhere. Yeah. 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 Uh, but the, the ambassadorship of believers. So in second Corinthians, uh, chapter five, I don't have it pulled up, but, um, God calls us ambassadors for Christ and Jackson might have to help me out on this, but is it called an embassy? Yep. An embassy. Yes. So you can think about it in this way. The, the local congregation is like an embassy in the midst of foreign territory. So right now in the United States, or even we'll take it down to our local congregation at river city church. We are an embassy in the Fargo Moorhead area, uh, to be ambassadors for Christ in foreign territory. Yeah, we're we're to bring the the, the kingdom of God to the earth, mm-hmm. if that makes sense. We're, we're we're citizens of heaven, representatives that live Christ on the earth, yeah. representing Christ. Yeah, that's exactly right. That that's a good illustration, one way to think about it. Um, so we see this with Jesus. Uh, we see just the nature of this uh, as we continue. You know, the Book of Acts. Jesus gives this great commission to go and make disciples of all nations. We see the way that that is fulfilled. Um, we see what, what what happens in the book of Acts is that th- they go around and the way that this is accomplished is through the establishing of local churches. They go to places, you know, you know, it, it records the apostle Paul. They go to places. They they you know Paul goes into the synagogues. He he teaches about Jesus. Some people believe. Some people don't believe. You know, they probably kick him out or beat him or stone him or whatever it is. But then a, a church is established there. And then as we continue reading the rest of the New Testament. So many of these letters, you know, the Apostle Paul writes to the Romans, to the Corinthians, uh, to the Ephesians, Galatians. Those are letters which are written to actual churches, to, to local churches, local bodies of believers that meet together. And, you know, part of that, too, is like it, it is the local church and local fellowship of believers, which is how God is going to bring redemption throughout to, to every tribe, tongue and nation on the earth. It is the local church. God's greatest vehicle for fulfilling the Great Commission is the local church yep. and the local body of, uh, of believers. That's how he is multiplying out and reaching every tongue, tribe, and nation. And so again, if you aren't committed and active in a local church where they know you and you are loving the body, and we'll get into some one another's, you are you're sitting on the sideline uh, of God's great mission and calling to your life. Yeah, and and at the end of the day, and here's here's part of here's part of the you know this is kind of the punchline that we kind of want to get to, um, especially as we get to the New Testament and the letters written in the New Testament. But if if you are not part of a body of believers, then you are not being obedient to several commands of the New Testament. Like to not to not belong to a Christian church, and I write this, and you know, there's there's places all over the world where this may become more of a difficulty, but in America, um, th- there are solid churches around us. Uh, maybe it seems like there's there's getting to be less and less today, but we we have availability. We have we are we are able to find churches that we can be a part of, which preach the gospel, which believe the Bible, uh, which seek to to live for Christ in the world to, to be holy as God is holy. So when we when we are not part of one of those, it is being disobedient to God. It's being disobedient to the word of God. There, there we just you cannot be obedient to everything that 
that the Bible says, and the New Testament especially says, unless you're part of a local church. You, you really just can't. Unless you're regularly meeting and fellowshipping with other believers. You just can't do it. And part of that, so, you know, there, there's there's a, a huge amount of passages in the New Testament which are called the one another's. And, and it's all these commands of what we are supposed to do for one another. And when it says one another, that, that is essentially for fellow believers. They're, they're, these are from letters written to churches saying this is what you're supposed to do for one another. Now, I'm just going to read through a few, um, and, and we'll think about these. And, and practically, like, when, when we exist in fellowship, this is what our fellowship is supposed to be like. So we already read one, which is love one another. Uh, Romans 12, it says, be devoted to one another. Later in Romans 12, live in harmony with one another. Romans 14, build up one another. Romans 15, admonish one another. Uh, Galatians 5, serve one another. I'm just going to continue. Bear one another's burdens. Forgive one another. Speak to one another with psalms and hymns and spiritual songs. Ephesians 5, speak to one another about spiritual things, singing with each other, uh, talking about scriptures with each other. Uh, I'll continue. Colossians 3, bear with one another. Uh, same, Same chapter, teach one another, comfort one another, encourage one another, exhort one another. Uh, Hebrews, Hebrews, this is one of the, such an important one too, but uh, Hebrews 10, 24 and 25, it says, stir up one another to love and good works. And Hebrews 10, 25, uh, it says, do not neglect to meet together as is the habit of some. Of some. It says, do not neglect as Christians to meet together with other Christians. So you see, I hope that's just to see, you know, in the Bible, there, there's so much of being a Christian is about the way that we relate to one another in the church. Uh, we are to be, and, and I, all of this, like, we're to be building one another up. We're to be loving one another. We're to be forgiving to one another. Uh, we're to teach one another, to encourage, uh, to exhort, to stir up each other to good works like our life is meant to be lived in the fellowship of other believers and they are meant to be building us up and serving us and we are meant to be building up them and serving them and you just you just can't escape that reality it's just it's absolutely inescapable james you want to add anything no i mean it you're hitting on it well and it's just We recognize that we can't do this perfectly. Um, But understanding that this is a discipline Mm -hmm. that we are going to have to work at. Um, It's not going to come easy. And maybe even it might be hard to love some of the people in the church. I mean, I came here this morning with Jackson and uh, that was so (laughs) brushed. I'm just kidding. (laughs) That's true sometimes, though. That's been true. Yeah, probably. Um, but my point in that is, yes, it is going to be hard and we're going to get more into the applications, but it's a discipline, um, Mm -hmm. to love one another, to pray for one another, to bear one another's burdens, to teach one another, to comfort one another is a, is a discipline of the Christian life, but we are commanded to the same way. The Bible says, do not commit adultery. Do not lie. God says, do these things. 
And if you are outside of community and Christian fellowship in the local church, you are, you're failing to do that. Yeah. I just think about how, how different this is from, from the culture that we live in. Like I said, we live in a culture that is literally, it is me, 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 myself and I, and the Bible is always one another, one another, one another. It's just, it's, it's so opposite. We live, we live in such an individualistic culture. We live in, even in that, like such a consumeristic culture too. Like often we believe and act like, you know, this church exists to serve me. We just have a consumer mindset. It's, it's, it's just like when I go to the mall, it's the same thing when I go to church. Uh, this place exists to serve me, right? And and to give to me what I want. And there is a sense in which the church is for us and it's meant to serve us, but we have to get out of the mindset that, that that's it. Like we are meant to serve in the church and to love the people in the church <coughs> and to build up the people in the church. It is not just the job of, you know, one of the jobs of the pastor in Ephesians 4 is to build up the saints for the work of ministry. It is not the pastor of your church's job to do all the ministry in your church. That is not true. It is the pastor's job to build up the saints so that they can minister to one another and to the world around them. You, you as, a, as part of a church, you have a responsibility to serve the church and to minister to the church and to care for people in the church. It's not your pastor's job to do all the ministry of the church. It's just not. Yeah. I think oftentimes in, in, in Christian circles, we can think of... Uh, like our pastors as like this superstar um, Christian on the team who's, who's going to score all the points and have the stat line. But we're all called to that mission, like Jackson was saying. And even the the infection of the culture in our beliefs, we always need to be evaluating. How is the culture affecting uh, what I believe about God, what I believe about myself, what I believe about the church, et cetera, et cetera. And I, I even have an example from my own life. And when I came to Christ uh, in 2020, um, it was during COVID. And I remember a time where it was like, I, I don't really need the church. Like, I have my relationship with God and I, I'm good. So I'm just going to read my Bible and, and pray and be on my own. Um, and that was, I had that belief from like the culture. To think that, oh, I can just do this all on my own, and why do I need the local church to teach me? They're just a bunch of hypocrites. And then I was like, dang, that's me. (laughs) When someone says, yeah, the church is just a bunch of hypocrites, well, we got room for one more if you want to (laughs) come. Yeah, it's true, but it's redeemed hypocrites, right? (laughs) Amen to that. Amen to that. (laughs) So, yeah. uh, Well, that's kind of a a biblical overview of... You know, we, we want to bring teaching from the Bible about what what it says about this issue. Yeah. Um, the last thing I'm going to say, and I think this is important, uh, we talked about this, but in Revelation, you know, the, the beauty of heaven, the end of all things, the goal of all things is not us isolated, tucked away, privately, uh, worshiping God or, or spending our time. The, the picture that the Bible gives us is us amongst the great congregation, the uncountable multitude praising and worshiping God that that is that is where we're going and that's our greatest hope and joy is to be part of the redeemed fully redeemed community in heaven it is not us isolated and tucked away just one-on-one with God uh, it, is, it is people together worshiping God and there is an already aspect to this 
here and now you can think of in your local congregation you are participating in that heavenly worship um uh as you look around your 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 local church uh on a sunday morning look at all the different people mm-hmm. every tongue tribe and nation every skin tone uh even different languages and you can think about the church globally how many people on sunday morning are are, are worshiping god in a different language than english yeah it's amazing and that is just a, yeah, that's an already aspect of a heavenly reality that is going to be fulfilled and consummated fully. Yep. And when you are outside of that, um, you aren't getting that foretaste. And you can, oh man, on Sundays, just do this practice uh, every once in a while. When you're singing a song or, yeah, particularly when you're singing, I think, there's something unique about just not singing yourself and listening to the congregation belt out praise and worship to God and 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 imagine yourself in the heavenly congregation in the new heavens new earth with the great multitude every tongue tribe and nation worshiping Jesus and that is your little appetizer your little foretaste yeah you know it's even even in that sense too like there is a capacity of of worship that we we can't always reach when we're in isolation but but it's magnified when we come together yep uh we were talking before this about you know a quote from martin luther he said when i am alone you know i can't remember exactly how it is but something like my heart grows my heart grows cold but when i am with the (laughs) congregation uh, a fire is is burning inside yeah here i got it go ahead martin luther says on corporate worship at home in my own house there is no warmth or vigor in me but in the church when the multitude is gathered together a fire kindled in my heart and it breaks its way through yeah and there's there's so much truth to that there really is so uh that that's 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 a biblical overview what are some of the applications like what does this actually look like in our lives um we're going to get into that now so the first one obvious we've talked about it some but you need to be part of a local church Uh, you need to be making regular attendance in a local church you need to be getting to know the people in the local church. If you're going to love people, care for them, like the Bible commands us to do, you need to know them. You need to spend time with them. Uh, so one of the ways, and one of the ways too, like this, this may really involve like thinking about your schedule and, and what you fill your time doing. And you, you may really need to think about how can I actually spend more of my time in Christian fellowship and serving people in the church and less of my time on whatever, whatever else it may be. Uh, you, we need to think about like what what ultimately is important, what ultimately is productive in my life, and part of that needs to be spending time with with uh, other believers in the church. Now, I want to mention this too. Um, when I say be part of a local church, you know, some churches do this differently. Um, I, I know at our church, you know, we we have members at our church, uh, where essentially what that is is like. Um, you know, there's a lot of people that there's people that attend our church, but there's also members and membership is essentially a, a defined relationship. Uh, it's like, it's a, you know, we, we use the biblical term covenant. Uh, it's, it's a defined covenant membership. And in this membership of our church there, and I think there's a lot of churches that do this. Um, but there is like, there, you you, you sign a piece of paper, there, there's stated commitments and like there's promises of, of, uh, certain allegiances to the church. Like, Basically, you sign the paper like you're committing uh, to to uphold biblically what it means to be a member of a church, right? To to have a, attendance, to to love, to serve in the church. Um, 
to, to help financially, to help the church financially, those kind of things. And even I think that just rubs us. We're so non-committal. Oh, yeah. It's terrible. Like, even look at marriage in our culture. S- same thing. It's a defined relationship with promised and a commitments. Com- commitment. Yep. But we Sta- stated like literally vows stated. Yeah. And we fear that. And, and some of you are maybe thinking, well, that's a bit extreme. I can just go to my congregation. But the reality is we are an undisciplined people. Mm hmm that like ambiguity and like to kind of hide and this like a, a commitment uh, being a covenant member um, forces you or helps you be disciplined in this and again this isn't the sake uh, this isn't for the sake of being legalistic or having having rules these spiritual disciplines and the discipline of fellowship is for the sake of growing in godliness in our relationship with Jesus Christ. Yep. And we know that a greater satisfaction in Christ is going to lead to greater glory going to God. Greater joy in our lives. greater joy for us. Yep. Yeah, so I would just encourage, um, <coughs> like, find a church. And, you know, th- there is no perfect churches. But find a church which has faithful leaders, which preaches the gospel, which believes the Bible, um, and commit yourself to that church. And be committed to it. Um, it you know, in, in one sense, it's very, it's very similar to marriage. Like it, like it, marriage, like, like my relationship with my wife, it fosters the most joy and love between us because it is, it is defined. We, we made vows to each other before God and a bunch of witnesses that our relationship was going to be like this, that I was going to be committed to loving my wife, whether we were healthy, poor, uh, rich, whatever it may be, I was going to be committed to loving her. And that is where like relationships flourish when they are defined, when there are stated commitments, um, that, that go beyond just, you know, I'm going to do this when it's easy for me. Mm. So in in one sense, it is a lot like marriage in in that sense. It, it, it flourishes when it's defined and when there's, uh, when there's things pledged, when there's vows made, if that makes sense. And it flourishes, flourishes. You talked about this earlier, but consumerism Mm -hmm. marriages die because both are going into the relationship thinking, what can this person provide for me rather than going into the relationship and saying, what can I provide for this person? And like, even in my own marriage, it, it, when I have the first attitude, it doesn't go well. The second attitude flourishing Yep. And the same thing is in our local congregation. When we are looking to church and worship on Sunday and the fellowship, and we're going in there, what can this do for me? Now, there's an element of that, but that is not where the fellowship of saints flourishes. But when we go into community, corporate worship, um, how can I serve the body? And how can I worship God, particularly on Sunday Sunday yep. morning worship? Yeah, we have to... Thinking that question is that's what's natural for us. How is this going to serve me? How is this going to benefit me? Um, we need to, to retrain and kill re- the flesh. Yeah, reorient our minds and yep. even just to think about, like we need to start thinking about our all of our relationships. Like in my marriage, I need to think about how I can bless my wife, mm. how I can be a blessing to her. Um, you know, sa- same with children, same with people in your church. Yeah, like I need to I need to think more about how I can be a blessing to the people in my church. Amen. Yeah, even think about the the book of Acts. Like as you read the book of Acts, you see, oh, these believers 
they have a problem over here. They need help. All right, let's pool all of our stuff together. How can we bless them? Sell our property, sell our houses, uh, get rid of our cattle. How can we support these believers? And you, and you see that intimacy and that flourishing with self-sacrificial um, serving and love for one another. And we want to model um, Christian fellowship and the spiritual discipline of fellowship after that. Yep. So, so that's the, that's the first obvious uh, most important thing um, is to be part of a local church, be committed to it, try to serve in it, uh, try to get <coughs> to know the people in it. Um, I would say another thing, um, just as we go through this, like, um, dude, can we take a step back? Yeah, quick? yeah, go ahead. Like, I, th- I think in our culture, and it may be different other places, but where church and it's it's going in a different direction. But for the last whatever fifty years, like most people just go to church, and what's the difference i guess I, I would like to flesh out a little bit i know this is going to be a long podcast but what's the difference between just going to church on sunday and actually partaking of the spiritual discipline of fellowship with the saints and believers yeah that's a great question and maybe just let's try yep. to flesh that out a little bit yeah so this is this is where i think we're going to expand from that too so i i would say that just going to a church on sunday is not doing a good job of like uh practicing this spiritual discipline like that the life of the church and the people in the church like the idea is that they need to be a part of your life not just people you see on sunday but they need to be a part of your life so ideally like um you know here's a couple examples when you make big decisions in your life speak to people in the church that you trust about them that that's one example like don't make big decisions just isolated from the church when you're struggling with something tell other people in your church and ask them to pray for you, whether that's on Sunday morning or whenever it is. Um, I would say another thing, this is just part of a fellowship too, but I think our, our church does this really well, is we have community groups that meet throughout the week. So so, so every Monday night, my wife and I go and we go to uh, someone's house who hosts it, and we switch off. You know, there's a bunch of people in our group. We switch off bringing meals. Uh, someone's watching the kids, and then we talk about the sermon, and we talk about our lives, and we pray for each other. And we ask each other re- really how we're doing. So we live our lives in the presence of other people. When we're struggling with something, they know it and they can pray for us. When something goes well, we celebrate it mm-hmm. and, and praise God for it. Um, when when someone is you know when, when someone needs to be rebuked, and you know you need to find you, you need to find friends who will rebuke you. Yeah. That, that's part of this too. Like we need to find people who who desire us to be holy. We really need to find people like that. When that needs to happen, there's someone in our community group that, you know, that they, they love that person enough uh, to reach out and say something, right? Um, so it's finding ways to have fellowship outside of just a Sunday morning. Yeah. Maybe it's just inviting people to your house for a meal. Uh, may, maybe it's uh, joining a Bible study in your church that meets once a week. You know, these, these are just a few examples, but there, there's many ways. I would say another one too, just to be part of Christian Christian uh, fellowship and to partake in the t- in the task of the Great Commission. I would say that at some point or or throughout your life, you should be looking for ways that you can have other people like intentionally. Like if you're a younger believer, you should find someone that you meet with maybe once a week who will teach you and who who's further along in the faith who will teach you um, and who will help you to grow as a Christian. You need to find someone like that. Also, I would say that you need to be looking for people who are younger than you 
in the faith, not just, uh, you know, younger in age, but someone who knows less about, about the faith than you do, someone who's lived as a Christian for a shorter time than you, and you need to spend time building them up and pouring into them, if that makes sense. Like you, I think to some degree, there should always be people in our lives who are more mature than us, uh, who are helping us to grow, and there should always or at least often be people in our lives who are less mature than us and whom we are helping to grow. Yeah, I think that's just an important distinction when talking about discipleship is is maturity level, not necessarily age, um, not necessarily even knowledge. Mm-hmm. And you can know a lot about Christianity and, and be a really immature Christian. Yeah. Um, and so you're looking for people who are mature, and, and we want to be Christians who are mature. And that's, again, the heart of these spiritual disciplines is not just growing in knowledge uh, for the sake of knowledge, but growing in maturity in Christ. Um, and even I think this last weekend at our church, one of our pastors was talking about a mature Christian is a Christian who has deeper beliefs in the basic tenets of Christianity, who, who really believes them, not necessarily has all this knowledge, but who really believes just the basic tenets of Christianity. Yeah. Yeah, that's that's so important. Okay, so um, we grow in Christ together. Be committed to a local church. Find ways to serve in it and really be a part of uh, of that community and committed to it. Yep. Don't just go to church on Sunday as a bystander, um, not know anyone in the church, and then leave and proceed the rest of your week without communicating with anyone um, in that local congregation. We we need one another. Yeah. there There's a practical idea, too. Just when you go to church on Sunday, stick around. Like, stick around for a little bit. Uh talk to somebody before you leave get to get to know people um that's a great one also like part of this too and we didn't mention this be at church on sunday like like don't don't skip it for other things uh you know part of yeah we we have a problem with that like lake life yeah lake life or or sports for children like when when you do that though it, it is saying that there's something more important than spending time in fellowship with god's people and worshiping god on a sunday morning so you're saying that something else is more important. Now, that doesn't mean that you're, you're going to necessarily be at every single church service on Sunday, but it does mean that it should be a priority of your life to be at church on Sunday morning, worshiping with the saints. Yeah. The most important two hours or however long it is of the whole entire week is our Sunday morning worship. God meets with his people intimately and uniquely um, at that worship service all across the the globe um, and your schedule and how you spend your time is a reflection of what you believe in your heart mm-hmm. and that's true of many other things how you spend your money is a reflection of what you believe in your heart um, so, so the point being if you're not spending time in fellowship then you believe that it, you're, you're demonstrating that you believe that it's not important exactly and so finding ways to reorient your schedule to make it a priority, not only like if you're married to and you have children, being that example for your children that this is our priority to fellowship with the saints and to be in community and, and demonstrating that for your children. And now how that plays out in your life, exactly sports and maybe your job um, and, and, and other things, uh, it, it, it takes wisdom and there's not a maybe a clear cut practical or like we're not trying to whatever be super um legalistic or um 
trying to think. We're not trying to add rules where there's not rules. Exactly. It it takes wisdom to discern, you know, the form of how all these things take place. Yeah. Yeah. So, uh, James, anything else you want to add? No. Okay. Well, I think tangent. Yeah. So I think we're going to wrap up this podcast. Uh, Thank you guys again for listening. Um, If you would, uh, please feel free to leave a review. Um, That definitely helps with discoverability of the podcast. Five stars. To make it known to (laughs) other people. If it's not five stars, don't leave a review. <laughs> no, uh, leave, we we encourage that you guys would leave an honest review. Yeah, uh, we do encourage that. And in good in good conscience, yep. you would leave a review, right? Um, otherwise, uh, I think that's pretty much going to cover it uh, for this episode. Um, you know, I might James and I have talked about this, but um, for some of you listeners, if if any of you would would feel so inclined, possibly to support James in his FCA ministry, um, I may at some point begin leaving a link in the description uh, to somewhere where you could do that. Um, James is, is planning to, to go on, on full-time, uh, full-time employment with FCA, uh, at NDSU's campus. Um, and part of that is, is support raising to help fund his ministry and, uh, help support that baby that he just had. (laughs) Thanks thanks for that plug Jackson. Yeah. So at some point, um, maybe in this episode, I'll get that up. But anyways, uh, we thank you guys for listening. We hope that this has been a blessing to you. Um, and we, we would love to see you tune in again. Thanks.